Well, today is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day. You're welcome. Got now we're done with that? No, we're not done with that, actually. Um, even though we're not all biological parents, we have the potential to be spiritual parents, and that's a little bit what we're going to be talking about this morning, spiritual parenting. Mother's Day comes with a lot of flowers and kitchen gadgets, and I confess I bought Luann a cookbook, but um, that wasn't a hint because I, I cook too, right? Not bad. Pretty good. But uh, a, a lot of other things going on um, today. But for some of us, it comes with some emotional baggage. Some of us had great moms. Uh, some of us had moms were maybe overwhelmed with life and didn't do as well as they had, had wanted to. Some of us had, um, we didn't even know our mom very much. We weren't parented very much at all. But the Bible says that God puts the lonely in families. And one of the word pictures we're given in the Bible for the church is a family. Now, I've got to warn you, you can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your relatives. So have a good look around. And here we are. This is our family that God has planted us into. So God wants us to learn how to be spiritual parents. Part of the role of parenting is just to help wee ones, little ones. Um, Heather, I'm not going to center you out or anything, but I'm just looking at you, Matthias. And that's, that's sort of your role. And you've been practicing on the first two, and this one's going to be just great, right? But it, it's to help, you know, Matthias get to that, age 18, 30, 40, 55, whenever we, we count ourselves as a mature adult. Some of us, it's going to be 75. But to get them there, to give them all the care and nurture they need, get started in life. Um, the goal of spiritual parenting, maybe the next slide, Tom, can we do that? God tells us to parent others in the same way that he parents us. That's his desire for his family, for his spiritual family. He wants us to parent others the same way he parents us. This is what God is like. And it's, it's interesting. Ashley and I, we kind of coordinated things, but um, thanks for leading worship today because it really dovetails well, well into what I'm going to speak about this morning. God's heart for his children a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God. His dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. How does God parent us? Now think about this for a moment. How does God parent us? In the Bible, he's revealed as a loving father. Technically, God has no gender. He's kind of above that. But he, he discloses himself as a, as a father so we, can, we kind of get it. And I'm not really, I know there's, I know and enjoy the differences between male and female. But I don't think moms have the corner market on love. And fathers don't have the corner market on toughness or any of those, those extremes. But when God 
parents us, when you think about the love that God pours into our lives, that's how we should parent. First characteristic of God, the way he looks after us, is love. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God is our creator. He's the sustainer of the universe. It is incredible. Has anyone had a chance to go out and look at the night sky lately? Have you had that opportunity? Ezra, that's great. And, and what do you see when you look outside at night? What do you see? Okay, the northern lights, yeah. And when you see the northern lights, they are so cool, Ezra. It's like God's putting on a special show just for us. He's saying, hey, I made the world. Look at this. This is really cool. That's what God does, right? Yeah. Great. Well, we'll talk more about that later, but that's cool. You can ask your dad to explain what Aurora Borealis means after the service, and he'll explain everything to you, okay? Okay, on the iPad. Look on the iPad. God bless you, Lawrence. He's one step. He's at least three steps ahead of you, brother. Okay. Anyway, so here is the God who creates the Aurora Borealis and is big enough for that, and yet he delights in Ezra. He delights in Jan. He delights in Walter. He delights in all of us, individually and as a group. He rejoices over you with joyful songs. you remember a few weeks ago, he was talking about that image that I want you to implant in your brain and in your heart. And may God rewire our brains in a good way as we do this. Imagine God leaning over your crib when you were a baby and cooing and singing over you and blessing and saying, Wow, you grew another inch today. That's great. You're doing great. Sooner or later, you're going to hold your head up or take that first step or get potty trained or get a license or start school or something. You know, he, he does that with us. God loves us. So that's one of the ways, I think the most important way that God parents us is that he loves us. Many children, if you ask uh, uh, physicians or pediatricians, there's a condition called failure to thrive. If children aren't held and nurtured and loved, the brain development slows down. They just don't get everything they need. And it's not just about proteins and fats and amino acids and nutrition. It's emotional nutrition. Failure to thrive is a really serious condition. God wants us to thrive. That's his heart for us. God is faithful. Now listen, if you're struggling on Mother's Day, this may be your verse that you take home. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. This week I was listening to a sermon by a pastor in Ontario telling his life story. And he was adopted as a young boy back in the 60s. It was quite scandalous for a woman to raise a child on her own, and his mom adopted him out. So he's raised by a family who loved Jesus, and he grew up to love Jesus, but when he became an adult, 
And when he was in the beginning of his uh, pastoral ministry, he says, I'm going to track down my birth parents. So he did. And he found his birth parents' brother out in BC contacted him and said, hey, you don't know it, but I'm your nephew. I'd really like to get in touch with my mom. I know her address, but I'm hoping that you will kind of broker the relationship. I'd really like to reconnect with her. He said, this is going to be great. Then he got a letter back from this gentleman saying, my sister says she has no son. She denies that there's a son. Can you imagine how this guy felt? It's like, ah. She doesn't even want to acknowledge that I exist. But God says, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me at arm's length. What does it say? The Lord will hold me. Yeah. Imagine that for a minute. Imagine what it would feel like to feel the Lord holding you close. Let the Holy Spirit tap you on the shoulder and warm your heart. What does that feel like? The Lord holds me close. Wisdom. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. When we ask God as a parent, when we beseech him, like we were praying for Marilyn this morning, we say, Lord, you know best what we are really, really trusting you with her health and with her future. And Marilyn's doing that too. I talked to her yesterday. She's full of hope. Her body's full of cancer. She's full of hope. She's putting her trust in God. No matter what, she knows she can count on him. God just knows best. He knows our comings and our goings. And someone compared it to me this way. Have you ever seen a beautiful tapestry It looks wonderfully put together. But if you look on the back side of that tapestry, all you see is a bunch of kind of ratty threads and kind of a mess. And you're thinking, is this a Picasso or what? I shouldn't diss Picasso. He's coming into the art gallery. But this looks, it doesn't make sense. Tangled and ratted, it doesn't make sense. That's our perspective of life. But God is weaving this beautiful tapestry on the other side that we can't always see. So we need to put our trust in the love of God, the faithfulness of God, and the wisdom of God. That's how God parents us and looks after us. So here's the kicker. Here's the second part. How does God call us parent others? And when I say parent, I mean coach. I think as Christians, there's always someone a little further down the road that we can learn from and someone coming along behind us that we can coach and encourage. It happens every generation. Psalm 78, verse 4 says, We will proclaim the faithfulness of the Lord to the next generation. That's our job. That's our responsibility. We need to make sure that the next generation loves Jesus. And not in a phony, religious, show up on Sunday with a bright and smiley face. No, there's nothing wrong with smiling. Is there? Okay, good, good. I pastored some congregations where I'd almost do anything, do a headstand to get a reaction on them, but you guys are much more responsive. It's very encouraging. So thank you for that. 
There's nothing wrong with smiling. Hopefully it reflects what's on the inside. There's nothing wrong with lamenting either. Most of the Psalms were laments, saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. And it's okay to come here like that because this is family. We can be ourselves. And if we need someone to pray and, and for us, with us, and support us, we can do that, right? Because we're God's family, and that's what he does for us. So how does God call us to parent others as we proclaim to the next generation his greatness and his wonderful deeds? By the way, just while I'm talking about the next generation, I love it when the next generation leaves. I mean, a whole lot of energy gets sucked out of the room, but they're all going off to have so much fun. That's why I like family services. A little bit chaotic, and I know it's rough on young parents, but thank you for allowing us to share your children for a while. But I want to encourage you to connect with Pastor Justina. She's looking for people to prayer, be prayer partners and prayer warriors for all the children and adolescents under her care. You can adopt a child from Elam Chapel to pray for consistently. That is a beautiful thing. It's one of the ways we can look after the next generation. Love them, appreciate them, get to know their names, get to know their parents. How many people here have grandchildren? Wow, I'm looking forward to that. Do you love your grandchildren? Would you, seriously, would you die for your grandchildren? Okay. Do you love your grandchildren's music? But you love them. Okay. This is a test. This is the test. To make space for the next generation, we have to be respectful and aware of what connects with them, what their heart language is. Do you understand? We likely won't be rapping next Sunday, okay? I'm not likely. Who knows? I know a guy. I won't look over at him who could set us up with that. But all I'm saying is that we have to be open for that and, and create a space for people to worship in a way that connects, right? How many people here love their grandparents? How many people here love their grandparents' music? It goes both ways, right? And it's all good. You get the point. I'm not going to belabor this. So God calls us to parent others and proclaim his goodness, his wonderful deeds to the next generation. What could this look like? There's an example in the New Testament from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and it goes like this. This is Paul writing back to a church that he planted in what is now called Thessaloniki, uh, a city in the north of Greece, and it goes like this. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. There's this tender-hearted love when you're a spiritual parent, when you're mentoring someone. It's just like Paul compares it to a mother feeding and caring 
for her own children. Do you ever watch that? Do you ever watch a mom? Well, hopefully you don't scrutinize a mom when they're breastfeeding. That's a little awkward. But you know that but there's something beautiful about that when you see someone kind of just you know what's going on and think that baby is getting what they need. That's beautiful. Or, you know, bringing the Cheerios to church, that's another classic thing, you know, just keeping the kids occupied and but just looking after the kids, right? And it's not moms, but dads do this as well. But just that tenderheartedness, that's what Paul is saying. That's what our attitude attitude should be when we're helping someone to grow spiritually. Now, a good parent say, you loser, you spilled the milk again. Ah! You patiently, you know, wipe up the milk and proceed. I mean, it's... The internet is full of hilarious pictures with babies with food plastered all over the face. If you haven't raised children, you can go and see what it looks like. But sooner or later, some of that, the airplane eventually does land in the airport or whatever you use to get the food into the child. It will happen, and you persist, and maybe more of it's on the kid, maybe more of it's on you, but you persist, and the kid gets fed, and the kid gets nurtured, and the kid grows. That's what spiritual parenting is like. You've got to persevere. Now, not in a condescending way, but just remember, someone who's brand new to the faith doesn't know stuff. So therefore, automatically, there's no such thing as a dumb question, right? There's no such thing as a dumb question, right? Okay, that's it. That's the kind of culture we need to create here at Elam. You know, someone wants to really genuinely know about Jesus. You don't go, you don't roll your eyes and go, say, yeah, what a great question. If you haven't done it, the thrilling thing about coaching someone to grow in Jesus is that you grow so much yourself. You go home thinking, oh, I never thought of that before. Or, gee, you know what? I think I really believe that too now that we've been talking about it and you're just energized and grow. It's such a positive experience. So there's, there's patience at all. There's, there's love. Just like God the Father, there's love, okay? We treat people with respect. We love them. We're faithful. We stick at it. We don't say, well, they obviously didn't feel like showing up today or they're, no, oh, that's a problem with today. They're not committed or whatever. But you don't know what people are struggling with. And many of us have got so much stuff beneath the surface of our iceberg that holds us back from Jesus. We need Jesus to transform that as well, right? So we need to spiritually parent people with love and faithfulness and wisdom. They don't need to learn all the, you know, the infinite little details of secondary doctrines. Just tell them that Jesus is coming back, and that'll do for a while, maybe a long while. There's other more important things, like how do you feed yourself? How do you breathe? Uh, Relationships with your new family in Christ, all those things are so much more important than the, the, the interesting little private bunny trails we can go down. God calls us to parent others in the same way that he parents us. Now, I want you to think... Use your imagination for a minute and focus on me. Pay attention because we're going to talk to God, okay? And I'm going to help us. Think of someone who has 
parented you? Who's been a spiritual parent to you? Who's helped you grow in the faith? There may be several people. Who has helped you grow in the faith? You got their name or a couple of faces in your mind? Here's what you can do today. Contact them. Call them. Write them. Email them. Thank them. Maybe they've died. Maybe they're with Jesus right now. Well, you can thank Jesus for them, right? Think about that. Who has helped you grow spiritually? Who has been a spiritual parent to you? Second thing, what have you learned from them? Not just facts, but the, the passage in Thessalonians talked about we didn't just tell you stuff, we shared our lives with you. That's how we learn stuff. Following Jesus is more caught than taught. Do you understand what I'm saying? My youth group used to drive me nuts. I mean, I loved them, and they generally loved me, but I don't think they remembered that many lessons that I slaved over, but they remembered our relationship when we hung out. It's just the nature of human beings. Truth is more often caught than taught. You know well, if you have children of your own, you can teach, 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 teach. And they might get it, but you know what? Sooner or later, they imitate us, which is good news and bad news. <laughs> Uh-oh, gee. It's like my dad teaching me how to drive, you know, saying, do as I say, not as I do. You know, but I think he was kind of joking when he slid through the stop sign when he said that. He was joking. But it's just that we learn by doing life together and observing. So people are going to watch your life. Now don't let this say, oh, oh, well, I'm not into spiritual parenting then because I don't want to be held accountable for how I follow Jesus. It should urge us to do better and saying, okay, Jesus, help me be a good role model and help us learn together. Don't run up to someone after the service and say, I think the Lord is calling me to parent you because you need it. You know, that's, that's not the way to start, okay? Right then, you're not going to get any further than that. But ask God to put on your heart, who might God be calling me to parent? Who is God putting in my life right now? Because God calls us to parent others the same way he parents us, right? With love and faithfulness and wisdom. And if we don't have wisdom, James 1 says, don't got wisdom? Ask God for it, and he'll give it to us generously. Okay? Let me encourage that to us today. We should all be hopefully being mentored or coached by someone and bringing along someone else same way. That's, that's the way it works in a healthy spiritual family. If you've got any questions about this, I would love it if you emailed me or phoned me I love questions. I can't always answer them right after the service, but I love those kind of questions. And I might even say, talk to the hand, but don't be put off by that. Just send me an email. I'd love to dialogue more with you because this is really important part of a Christian, of a spiritual family, is that we mentor and encourage each other. The young have something to learn from the old. The old have something to learn from the young. We had a delightful house church going for a while this winter, where there are three distinct generations represented. And it was a blast. It was a blast. So ponder that in your hearts too.